I am, although I think it was a second late on that. Uh, Oh, no. What are we going to do? What are we ever going to do? So if our comedic timing is off, that's why. (laughs) Andrew messed it up. up. That's what's happening. Hello, everyone. Hi. Anyways. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Hello, Andrew. Good, good. Happy, happy Turkey yeah, Day. Happy, happy Turkey, Turkey Day. Day to all those that separate. Um, say, Eric, I just yeah. happened to watch an episode of Babylon 5. Wondered if you wanted to chat about it. You I don't did, say. I just did. You I don't did say. say. You did, in fact, say, yeah. You know, that reminds me, we do have a podcast that we occasionally record called The Podcasting Guild. <laughs> so welcome, friends, to The Podcasting Guild, Return Of. And, you know, then you got the colon there. Return of the Podcasting Guild. Yeah. Great. And we're back for another episode of the Podcasting Guild on, well, roughly Thanksgiving. And to celebrate Thanksgiving, we watched an episode of Babylon 5. Yeah. And as per usual, by the, we're recording this on Thanksgiving. It's going to be weeks from Thanksgiving by the time this releases. So we're really just wishing ourselves yeah, next Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah. And the title of today's episode is rather fitting for the time of year. Yeah. Isn't it's it called though? The Long Dark. Oh my god. The Long Dark. Yeah. I like this episode. I love this. I think space horror is a great genre. One of the best ways for space to be used. Because space is pretty ex- mm-hmm. existentially scary. So it yeah, is. I love this. You know, I don't know if it was an homage or ripoff, whatever you want to call it, of of you know alien and predator and all those space horror genres. Mm-hmm. The original alien and predator were space horror. The subsequent uh, they films were. were a lot they more were. just like actiony and muscle bound people shooting up hordes of aliens kind of thing or one alien but um, yeah yeah i love this episode i thought it was a great take on space horror obviously there were some silly pits and we'll talk about them i mean yeah we'll <laughs> talk about it but yeah overall very yes. positive impression I, I enjoyed this one way to uh bury the leader not bury the lead there andrew well, I mean, very, yeah, so, fair enough. Yeah, you know, but... <laughs> I think we've abandoned going scene by scene. If for no other reason than those episodes took like an hour and a half to record about a 40 minute episode. <laughs> so <laughs> I think we'll just talk about yep. it. But we open up with basically the crazy man, the one that yep. sees the eldritch god coming and no one believes, raving about the end times and whatnot. Yep. Did you recognize who this oh, man no, was? I didn't. Should I have recognized him? Shoot. Wait, wait, wait. Who was he? Hold on. Hold oh, on. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, I have no idea. Who was he? Dwight Schultz. That doesn't mean anything to me. What? Uh-oh. Oh, Uh-oh. Clearly, you never watched the A-Team. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Okay. <laughs> was it Wyatt Schultz? Dwight Schultz. Dwight Schultz? Yeah. Played Amos. Yep. There he go. was one of the... Four main actors in A-Team. And he also guest starred on a number of Star Trek episodes as well. Oh, yeah. Sure enough. There he is. As Lieutenant Barkley. Yeah. Well, okay. You know, we discussed how this guy was serving it. He didn't seem like some walked into the the audition that day looking for his first bit part. Like, he was selling the hearing voices and telling everyone the end times this was here. his oh episode. my god this was a swan song this was his yeah. episode <laughs> was... yeah so that makes perfect sense that this guy was a veteran tv character actor because yeah that that checks out 100 percent. he was serving it he came to play 
And so, yeah, in his opening rants, he gets on a, ta- on a table and he's like standing right in front of some <laughs> alien eating his food. And the alien yeah. just has this perfect look on his face and then like gets up and walks away. And I'm like, man, I feel you, dude. I feel you. Anyone who's ever like been on a, a bus or a train with like some drunk guy shouting like, oh, my God, you feel <laughs> you feel that alien. Yeah, and then you feel for Jakar and Londo oh at the same time when they I start... love how Londo heckles Jakar, thus bringing his attention onto Londo, the yeah. crazy dude's attention onto Londo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was basically just our little glimpse of Londo Jakar. They have a little other little interaction later in the episode, but I thought that was perfect—a really great encapsulation of their dynamic. Mm-hmm. And you know, lacking all the sort of really dark overtones that some of their interactions have had lately. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Kind of going back to season one. Yeah, yeah. Heckling each other while, you know, lounging in the in the drink area. Yeah. Also, remarkably light security around these ambassadors. Like, these crazy end times, basically homeless people can just, like, approach and accost them. You know, no, no one's pulling them off. No one's saying, please step back. It's up to these ambassadors yeah, yeah. To, uh, to figure <laughs> that out. <laughs> yeah, they don't exactly have personal bodyguards on the station at no, this time. No, not at all. But I think the winner in terms of how many times I groaned and sort of had to laugh at how they were behaving was Dr. Franklin. I have commented Mm -hmm. before on Dr. Franklin's patented medicinal forehead caresses. But yes, I was going to mention Oh my God, did he he bust that out this episode? Like, I think his entire medical practice, I mean, he ordered 50 cc's of something, but he was serving up like 50,000 cc's of medicinal face and forehead <laughs> caresses it seems to work oh yeah oddly, yeah i bet yeah. it does <laughs> you know i'm glad the characters in the episode commented that the woman's husband died in her timeline like yesterday right and boy oh boy are things moving fast oh yeah and viewers yeah. again you know if you don't watch the episode before we talk about it doc, there's a um we should i i'm skipping all over the place basically an old ship shows up from like a hundred years ago and it's been lost astonishingly i should note because that means that babylon 5 is really close to earth <laughs> going back to our time dilation conversation we had in previous episodes because yeah. a <laughs> hundred years at sublight speeds doesn't no, get it really you very doesn't. far no it doesn't get you very far at all it doesn't get you very far at all <laughs> i mean voyager 2 only left our solar system like a couple years ago and that's been traveling for what 60 70 years yes and it is like still within earth's i'm sorry the sun's gravitational like well right it's still orbiting the sun yeah seven 70 years later fastest thing we've ever built and it is still in in this (laughs) specific solar system yeah so space is big right you were correct. A hundred years at sublight speed won't do much for you. I'd also like to comment. So there was a dead guy and a live woman in the cryogenic right. capsules, and a little harp mm-hmm. played as they were brushing off the window <laughs> of the woman. And mm-hmm. Katie, my wife, who was watching with me, was like, "I bet it's a hot woman." And she was right. <laughs> yeah. Somehow the harp yeah. just indicated like it could have been anything, but it, they wouldn't have played a harp as the reveal music unless it was like a fairy. Oh, and then of course, woman. when the doctor meets her after she wakes up, they play the pan yeah, flute exactly. as he walks in. Yeah, exactly. I filmed it as two separate episodes that I kind of combined. They have a the Dwight Schultz 
space horror episode, and then they have the Dr. Franklin ER oh, yeah. slash Grey's Anatomy a <laughs> love story yeah. episode. Dr. Franklin was having a meet cute episode while everyone else was in yep. space horror. Dr. Franklin was like, <laughs> I would never sleep with my patients. I just got to first base yeah. real quick. Don't worry about it. Like, listen, exactly. listen, don't worry. Her husband died like a hundred years ago. Like never, it's fine. It's fine. Get over it. I swear to God, the writers of the show don't know how long people mourn for. They're like, how long do you yeah. mourn your spouse? Is like a year, uh, two days? How long? <laughs> we don't know. We'll just make it up every episode. We'll figure it out as we go. Yeah. I'm sure it's somewhere between one year and two days. That that sounds right to yeah. me. Sheridan took a couple years. She took a couple well, hours. Sheridan took a couple years and was being like harassed by his sister for it. So like it's been two right. years. And Dr. Franklin's like, look, look, I told her yesterday afternoon. She's had two whole meals since then. Like what? You know, come on. <laughs> she's over it. Get, you know, yeah. get off my back. Dr. Franklin's exactly. absolute hound dog this episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, I love how he's like, well, the autopsy showed that uh, it was murder. In fact, he died of organ failure. <laughs> and the commander's like, oh, like, what happened? He's like, well, all his organs are missing. <laughs> like, yeah, that sounds, that, that that sounds organ like failure. a big failure. <laughs> failure of the organs. Way that, to bury that the count. lead there, yeah. Franklin. Way to bury yeah. the lead. <laughs> anyway, what do you have to say about this episode so far? I really like Dwight Schultz's portrayal of the... war veterans suffering from obviously ptsd and other mental conditions i've actually known people like that i mean not obviously the same extent but people that have definitely struggled with ptsd and those kind of things and they have dreams and nightmares and shit like that you know it's it's a real thing and he did a really good portrayal of it i think i like what they did with garibaldi here how he was like being understanding about and trying to work with him on it and not being the gruff gung-ho cop he normally is yes. um he's trying to be garibaldi as therapist <laughs> which i, I thought totally was, was cool i was thinking it's lucky this guy found season two garibaldi because season one garibaldi yeah i mean i think he season one garibaldi i think made some like we should push him out the airlock comments of his own right he did he uh did. so i thought it was really interesting that they had the other guard make that comment and garibaldi set him straight mm. it wasn't obvious as if because this guy had a military background that garibaldi shared or was sympathetic to that's what drove the difference yeah i prefer to think that it's they were trying to show off his character development right but i agree with you i thought the the i don't know the character's name but i thought he was great and yeah. i liked that there was this dichotomy where when he was lucid he just seemed like tired and right he's he's accepted it but he's obviously not happy about it and is just sort of exhausted Mm -hmm. and jaded yeah and he knows what he's going through but he can't stop it he just has like you said accepted and trying to live with it as best he can (laughs) and trying to stay out of trouble yeah totally agree totally agree that he he was a great character and you could tell right right from the first scene oh this isn't an extra this is the co-star or you know the guest Mm -hmm. or whatever yeah he has his name on the on go. the credits. Exactly. He gets he gets a named credit this one. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree with you there. He was excellent. And then like I said it's a it's an episode of dichotomies. I think you have a great character actor in Dwight Schultz and then you have a kind of not as good character actor in the 
and the the lady from the past. I think she tried her best. They should have kept her comments. I don't think I could repeat a single <laughs> line to you that she said this episode. Oh, totally forgettable, in my opinion. In fact, in, yeah, it was just distract. Like you said, it was a half space horror, half half rom com, and the rom com was yeah. awful and almost spoiled the the whole thing like i still enjoyed this episode i actually mm. thought that some of the plot points were were really great but, but yeah. all of franklin's scenes with this woman were as the kids say cringy N- none of them were good mm. yeah i did not like any scene with her in it really and also i have to question the company she worked for because she apparently signed up for this commercial company and they didn't give her any indication that, you know, hey, you're going to cryostate to travel to another planet, which might take hundreds of years. Yeah. You know, she was just like, oh, it's been a yeah. hundred years and starts freaking out. Like, wouldn't they have told you that? Because, I mean, it takes a hundred years to get anywhere. That's not totally. speeds or way more than a hundred years. reaction to that and her reaction to her husband dying both seemed like, did nobody tell you what you were doing? Like, is this the first you're hearing right. of? yeah. The potential con- <laughs> like i get that you'd be sad i'm not saying you shouldn't be sad or shouldn't be surprised totally. but space travel is dangerous though <laughs> for real like you couldn't be shocked right like you shouldn't be shocked mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know so yeah she was acting like nobody told me that i might be frozen for a long time nobody <laughs> told me that we as pioneers into the boundless expanse of space may not make it through the other side alive. Come on, lady. Right. You got to be prepared for this. And one other thing, how horrible is their record keeping that if supposedly the Centauri met them a couple years later and they got jump gate technology, no one went out and got the ship. Well, I mean, if it's built to be as fast as it could be, like, how would we catch Voyager? <laughs> like, literally, how would you even do it? I don't I don't think so. You know, that part actually doesn't seem crazy to me. I don't know. I mean, with jump gates, you can jump I mean, in front of it. And then, that's you know, true. hey, we're here now. We have faster Listen, ships. They're probably having a great time. You know, why would you want to interrupt <laughs> this? It's true. That's really cold yeah. when you put it that way. Like, it, they, it was just a mm-hmm. couple years later. And no one was like, hey, maybe we should go, like, rescue all those people we just sent kind of to their deaths. <laughs> right, yeah. Exactly. It's just like, why weren't they, why didn't people go out and get them? But I loved yeah. that. So anyway, we keep talking, saying that half the episode was space horror. Specifically, something is on the, the ship that the woman came on. Mm-hmm. And they definitely, if they slow roll that something is is with them. They initially say, right. oh, her husband was murdered. He had his organs removed somehow. And then Amos, that's that's this character's name, Amos, the, the crazy Amos, dude. Yep. Mm-hmm. His backstory is that he was in a military outpost and was the only survivor of some kind of attack. Right. And of course, right, it, it turns out to be the same thing that, that killed this woman's husband. But I thought they did a great job of slow dripping the threat and the you know that there is some Mm -hmm. malevolent entity on that ship i thought that they did a great job of pushing it as far as they could without actually having the monster be a character you know it's only in that very last scene which is the worst scene of the space horror mm. plot <laughs> yeah i think that comes down to lack of yeah. budget because you're just gonna do totally much with totally it. and like how else are they gonna have them confront this 
I think they should have gone the route that other space horror has done or just in general, this kind of like the thing, right? Where the end of the movie is it's out there somewhere and let's hope that it doesn't bother us again. So, you know, I think that would have been a strong ending. Yeah. Is like we we somehow got it out of the airlock, but they sort of precluded that. Like they already established it could travel through walls. Why didn't it just run away? Mm. It can move through walls. Why did it let itself get ambushed? Okay. It was It hungry, was hungry, yeah. I guess. <laughs> the episode kind of put me in mind of that first season episode 2 with the Ikara guy and the the super soldier. Mm, yes. That, kind of brought me back totally. in, this is kind of sheridan's version of that it episode, is it is a, I think, you're right it is very similar i think the details is what made this one the space horror genre instead of just the science fiction genre because like right that detail of the monster keeping the woman alive to feed on her mm-hmm. and the same thing with amos that is yeah. profoundly horrifying right you know that right and the way Amos told it, it was just like, man, oh, that yeah. was like Amos, a real gut I have punch, very like, few notes because I was just watching this episode. I was like in it. Mm. I was into it. Yeah, no, totally. Amos really did a great job of delivering that backstory in a way that was really yeah. visceral. So I loved yeah, all of that. You could feel I loved that. All of that. <laughs> okay, back to the, the not good rom-com plot. When Franklin <laughs> was showing the woman around and they run mm-hmm. into Jakar... And Jakar, like, grabs her by the shoulders and is like, go back to your own time, the future. And yeah. I'm like, dude, Jakar, chill. What the fuck, man? Are you kidding me right now? Like, <laughs> Well, it could have been worse. He could have been offering to take her back to Narn and use her as a guinea yeah, pig or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, experiments science, like he did science in the raper. first episode. No, ex- yeah, totally. Yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> He's improved character development again. I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) And then she passes out from that comment. Yeah. And that's the, like the end of, I don't know. I think Jakar is one more scene in the show, but no one comments. Jakar was just being a jerk or. Yeah. (laughs) Jakar, what we were thinking, like nobody comments on that again. It's like, no, he said just some existentially Mm -hmm. creepy stuff to her and she passed out from it. Don't worry about it. They also had a little bit of a slight at, Star Trek in general, with a line that Franklin said about humans taking more than a hundred years to evolve past petty issues. Oh, it's and stuff. very true. It's very true. I actually thought of Star Trek when they made that comment. You guys haven't gotten past violence yet, and he's like, "No, nah, it'll take long." That was, yeah, 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 <laughs> not even close. <laughs> but you know, I'd also like to point out that Star Trek, for all their claims of being you know a scientific mission, weren't they decked out with like tons of weaponry? Oh yeah, of course they're like. We're we're a utopian, peaceful people, but here's our photon torpedoes if you mess with us. Yeah, exactly. The same way that we sent gunboats to trade with Japan. Yeah, like right, right. Those are, those are trading yeah. guns to get the packages to you more efficiently. That's what those Faster. barrels are for. Yeah, yeah. That's the Amazon drones of the 1920s. <laughs> And then right after that scene with Jakar is Franklin bringing this woman to his chambers. And how dare you suggest that he might sleep with her? No, no, no. He's just quickly getting to first base. Don't worry about it. I have morals, ma'am. I brought you here to my room because I'm a good doctor. That's why. Not to make out with you, obviously. I didn't go through medical school to not slip you some tongue. All right? You're my patient. (laughs) God damn it. Franklin. 
I want to like you. Stop doing this stuff. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I, I noted here that Dr. Franklin doesn't sleep with his patients, just their daughters. Because <laughs> of that, that previous episode from before. <laughs> It's true. You know, like, let's not forget, this is far from the worst thing Dr. Franklin has done. Do you remember Dr. Franklin going against direct orders to give a kid surgery that directly caused his parents to murder him? Yep. Dude, I have to ask, is there an acknowledgement in the Babylon 5 subculture, the Reddits and whatnot, is there acknowledgement that Dr. Franklin is like a straight up monster? Like, this dude is a predator. I mean, let's just let's just call it. (laughs) He's not a perfect character, let's put it that way. (laughs) You know, he's not in the uh, the utopian (laughs) ideals of Star Trek, for sure. I also like, so he was talking to this woman in his room right after, either right after or before Mac and Honor. And she starts to be like, oh yeah, my marriage wasn't perfect. And, you know, we broke up a bunch before this. And it's not that this was unrealistic, but I was like, man, yeah, you know, when a relationship is on the rocks, the next thing to do is definitely fly into space to be together alone forever. That's definitely what yeah, I would want Lock yourselves do. in a room yeah. together. Which, again, not unrealistic. Like, people have kids to save failing relationships, which seems somehow less extreme than this. But, okay. But still, come on, make better life choices. As far as I'm concerned, you got a mulligan here. (laughs) Yeah. And then we had the council meeting where Londo scoffs at the idea of some alien presence being on the station. Was that supposed to just be Londo being Londo? And if Jakar says white, Londo says black? Or was this supposed to be Londo knows that there's dark powers afoot because he's been working with them? And is trying to mm-hmm. sort of dissuade people from following this line of questioning. I think it's leaning towards the second, but I think he still had uncertainty okay, yeah. about it too. Earlier in the episode where Amos made the comment that, or no, Garibaldi made the comment when he got Amos away from Londo that uh, he's probably made deals not quite with the devil right. and stuff like that. <laughs> kind of alluding to that as well, a little side. Yeah, I do, I do recall there. that, yeah. But yeah, I think that was just him being uncertain of things, but still wanting to cover his ass a little bit, too. I think that's kind of what that was about. Well, I liked how Jakar was like very interested in, in mm-hmm. you know what they had to say about this. And yeah, I think Jakar having his own Arkham Horror detective arc, I'm, I'm into <laughs> it. I hope he gets I, I hope he gets some more episode time. To go through that because I don't think Londo's perspective is bad. It's definitely compelling, but I would love to see Jakar as he tries to like put the pieces together and, you know, stumbles across dark secrets and things like that. Yeah, for sure. And you got your space UN. There were more ambassadors there, which is yes, always nice. Yes, I, I'm very happy to see they're filling out the council meetings. I know I said this before, but one of my biggest complaints from season one is that when it's just the five of them, it really doesn't feel like space (laughs) un you know this feels like a a space you know tabletop role-playing session or something yeah (laughs) oh man okay one of my favorite moments in this episode was okay the the threat 
the dark alien soldier from the spaceship was finally identified. And there's the scene at the, the command deck where, uh, uh, I'm blanking on his name, not Sinclair, um, uh, Sheridan. Thank Sheridan. You, is like, all right, bust out the heavy weapons. Let's go. And Ivanova just reaches off screen, literally like right <laughs> off screen and just hands them, you know, what's, what's a, a space machine gun. It's like, oh, you mean right. these heavy weapons right here that I keep right by my feet all at all times? And did you notice the security guy in the background just shows up completely decked out in armor? Yeah, yeah those are those are prompt orders, man. They don't mess around. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I just thought it was almost comical the way that the prop was like <laughs> literally just off of the camera view. It's like, oh, these heavy yeah. weapons. And then we get the whole back to season one leading actor leading the way as an action hero, kind of, sort of. I know, right? Sheridan leading the party to go after the... Not just Sheridan, the entire yes. command staff was there. Yes, all the protagonists. Garibaldi, Ivanova, <laughs> and Franklin were there as well. Like, really? Not not even just one of them, all it's of true. them were there. That was the crew they sent, Yeah. <laughs> And they, the commands have to even bother to put on armor this time. And let's remember, what we know about this alien is that it's single-handedly slaughtered an entire military outpost. Like 50 and guys. The, and, you know, he comments that they weren't there for heavy combat. But you still have to imagine that a military observation post is more heavily armed than a diplomatic space station. Oh, right, totally. And they didn't even have those cool, like, Laser blaster guns from your first episode. To- the, totally. The silly little no, that's ones. what I was saying. The, 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 <laughs> what they told us about the threat was so much more interesting and compelling than what we actually saw. Yeah. Like, oh my God, it can move through walls. How are they going to ambush it? It can mm-hmm. move through walls. Oh, well, it turns out it just didn't want to this time. And so it let it stood <laughs> in the middle of the room and let it shoot it to death. Great. Okay. <laughs> no, you know who did move through walls? Ivanova. <laughs> Because they were like oh, telling yeah. her, oh yeah, we're set up over there. We're going to set up a trap for it. We're going to take it to you. And then all of a sudden she yeah, shows up. Yeah, that's right. There's even a quick and there helping back and forth where, where Ivana's like, I'm on my way. And they're like, no, wait. And then and yeah. then it turns out she didn't wait and she was there <laughs> the whole time. Yeah. 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 There's a little bit of, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, maybe questionable editing. I don't know if they got the continuity quite right mm-hmm. in that action sequence. You know, I wasn't, yeah. I, I've, I've said, I wasn't a fan, honestly, of that. Most monster reveals are disappointing, and this one was also mm-hmm. disappointing. Yeah, I think the monster itself was kind of cool, because you didn't really see it. It was just kind of shadowy and lightning yeah. sort of thing. But it was just its execution and kind of what it was doing. The fight right. was nah. like nothing how, how did it slaughter 50 people? Like, what? Yeah, you know, yeah. Exactly. I think... And again, you know, budget, time constraints, maybe it wasn't possible. But like yeah, the yeah. way a lot of the space horror movies make it work is they make defeating the monster take real sacrifice. Right. And I get it. They didn't want to sacrifice characters. Fine. I agree. Right. It's an ongoing show. You don't want to lose. I mean, the they had the chance with Amos there. Amos was yeah, trying to be a sacrificial character. I can't believe they, they let Amos live. I know. Or part of the ship. Right. We've Mm. managed to trap it in this section of the ship. But now all we can do is detach that section and Mm. lose part of Babylon 5 or I don't know. I don't know. The way they finally defeated it was so lame that it almost retroactively invalidated how threatening it was supposed to be. 
Yeah. You know, I think they should have left us with the sense like, oh my God, I really hope we never encounter one of those again. And instead I was left with the sense Mm -hmm. of, well, you only need four dudes with machine guns. You know, it's not going to be fun, but it's really not a big deal. Like, Mm -hmm. so anyway. I mean, this, going back to the the Ikara episode, that bad guy was actually harder to kill. I agree that that bad guy put up. And I think it's because they only had one scene where, where this one would actually fight. Whereas True. in the other one, they had True. him fight in several scenes to establish how, how tough it was. They were chasing him. But yeah. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. The the, the sort of feeling that it left you with. I, I loved that episode. I thought that was a great episode. And, mm. you know, it really did make you feel like the universe was full of strange and powerful things. Anyway, and, and this one made me feel that way right up until that last scene. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I think that scene was a big letdown, but everything oh, yeah. else, everything else, I, yeah, horror stuff. I, was I good, really loved sure. how they rolled. You could tell that the writers of this episode are fans of predators mm-hmm. and aliens and that kind of genre, um, because I think yep. I think they did it yep. really well. They pulled it off well, except for that that final reveal. They did. What else? I don't know if I have uh, other comments here. I'm glad they had the woman that Franklin rescued leave. It would have been just mm-hmm. too creepy for her to actually stay with him on Babylon <laughs> 5. Like, that would have yeah. just been too much. And then they're making out at the end. Oh, it's God. Like, you guys just met. I think, Come I on. mean, I don't know. I feel like they were they felt obligated that if, that if you have an attractive man and an attractive woman sharing more than three scenes together, they have to, <laughs> like, swap spit. But I don't know, man. That was was a real low point within a larger low point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the episode wraps up with Ivanova telling Sheridan where the ships was supposed to be going. So we know for sure that it was tied to the whole growing darkness and bringing their soldiers back to Zahadun. And you see Jakar looking through his holy book with pictures his Pictionary Holy Book, it, and happens to have a picture of what they just fought. Sort I know, of. which I kind of love. I sort of love that there's these ancient, it kind of looks like Mayan or, or sort of Central does, American hieroglyphic yeah. kind of things, which I think is on purpose. I think they're trying to trying to sort of elicit some of the end of the world type yeah. concepts from that. I thought that was really effective. And once again, I know I've made this comment before, but I think the writers don't trust the audience enough. I don't mm. think they had to come out and say it's going to the same place that Jakar talked about where that all that evil was gathering. Had they had them say, I wonder where he was heading, and then cut to Jakar pensively looking at his Bible, that would mm. have done it. The audience would have gotten it. They would have put the pieces together. You didn't need to spell it out. Yeah, I think this is a artifact of the time it was yeah, made in. I think so. And audiences not really being experienced with long form storytelling in TV. From no, that you're standpoint. probably right about that. Because this was one of the first first series to really experiment. There are obviously others, but this is like one of the first mainstream ones to experiment with long form storytelling. So they probably felt they couldn't trust them at the time. But I think modern audiences definitely you wouldn't have to do that. Yeah. I um, unless I you're talking you're right. about Game of Thrones and how they got from one part of the continent to another in one episode then you might need to explain that bit. But we won't talk about that. But the, I, I totally agree with you. And I think it is a <laughs> just a product of the times. When your show comes out once a week, mm. 
you know, maybe maybe you do need to lead people along a little more. Remind Although, them. I don't know. It's been yeah. a few weeks since I watched the last episode, and I, rem- I remembered it just fine to put those pieces together. It's just that they do so much work. They do so much work to lay out the breadcrumbs mm-hmm. to help you sort of figure out what's going on on your own, and then they just tell you. <laughs> and they've done this before. I yeah. remember other episodes where they've done a yeah. lot of legwork to have the characters put puzzle pieces together and start to form a picture. And then I think in one episode they literally came over the loudspeakers and it was like, "This is what's happening. This is the this is the mystery. This is the answer." Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's. I think that's all I got for this episode. Who was your favorite character this episode? I think. I mean, Garibaldi. Garibaldi. I mean, not yeah. only is he a, a perennial favorite, like I, I always love to see him, but I think he was great in this episode. He was everything Franklin wasn't. Mm-hmm. He acted, yeah, with with integrity and morals and and a little self discipline. Mm-hmm. God damn it, Franklin. <laughs> True. Yeah. No, I loved it. I thought. <laughs> I thought Garibaldi was a great foil for Amos to act off of. Yeah, their scenes together were really good. I really liked Amos this episode myself. Yeah, actually, um, now that I said that, maybe Amos is my favorite. The scenes where they were uh, together, particularly the scene where he was telling them about what happened at the outpost, were really well shot too. He had the feeling just from the the setting of the shot, because you had the the light coming in from one side and the rotating fan blade, and it really put that feeling of a, a horror film yes. uh, the shadows all falling in different places so it was really well shot um, that entire scene uh, yeah I really liked Amos's acting Dwight Schultz's acting this episode and he did really well from that standpoint totally agree yeah alright well before we wrap up another episode we're going to have a little bit of a science corner I'm escaping to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism Space. So I think you're going to know what I'm going to talk about for Science Corner. Is it that giant rocket we shot into space? We shot a giant (laughs) rocket into space. The most powerful rocket NASA has made has been shot into space finally. Artemis 1 mission took off about a week or so ago now and actually you are able to see shots of the moon because it's now reached the moon, of course, and it's orbiting the moon, doing moon stuff. Doing stuff. <laughs> That's what you do yeah, when you're on the moon, moon stuff. doing moon stuff. Yeah. But yeah, that was really cool. The launch was pretty epic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Certainly one of the coolest things I've seen in quite and a I while. And I think this one is, the, is, is a launch. test. Yes, this is a test launch. It is. Yeah. yeah. This is unmanned yeah. test launch, testing the vehicle out, making sure that things go okay and then the next launch will actually be manned they're going to send people back to the moon for the first time in half a century or more i mean i am so excited you know growing up in the 90s as i'm sure lots of our listeners did you know you had the sense that space was happening we were going to space and space is where we were going and we were going to do things there and then let that let just like never happened you know, we stopped, the, the space shuttle was discontinued, and and so for us to be going back to the moon feels to me like maybe the promise of my childhood will be realized. Maybe we are going to actually <laughs> go into space and do cool things yeah. in space, and it won't just be a thing that we did 50 years ago and still talk about. Yep. And I think the plan is to find water on the moon, 
mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. along those lines so they can build a, a station there, a manned station, and start putting together like a, a fueling station for a trip to Mars sometime in the next two decades, I think, is the plan. <laughs> Man, that would be so exciting. That'd be so yeah. exciting. And, you know, there's nothing that lives on the moon to like i'm not saying we should pollute the moon just for fun but we're not going to be like driving anything to extinction by building bases on the moon Mm -hmm. although i I guess building and firing rockets isn't like (laughs) you know carbon neutral or anything like that but uh well the i think the rockets don't produce much carbon when they're launching i think it's the solid fuel rockets produce water vapor if i recall correctly Uh, some of them do some of them do. I actually don't know about the Artemis specifically. Yeah, that is so exciting. I, I'm very excited. Yeah, maybe one of these days we can get down to Cape Canaveral and watch a live launch, and maybe even do a live recording. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> That'd be very cool. I'm just watching. There's an animation on the Artemis One Wikipedia page. There's an animation of the how it uses gravitational slingshotting to speed up which is incredibly cool guys if you're not aware they don't just strap rockets to spaceships and use the rocket to accelerate like you're driving a car they actually shoot it at other planets and use the gravity of those planets to accelerate it and use you know oblique orbital approaches to basically slingshot around large planets uh, to to achieve fast speeds now I'm, i'm guessing artemis isn't doing that because it's just going to the moon yeah Orbital mechanics. <laughs> yeah, but if we do end up going to Mars in the next two decades, that's probably something that will be definitely calculated into it. At, le- at the very least, using the moon yes. to help slingshot things, if not going to Venus or something. That, so. and, you know, honestly, it is yeah. kind of using a slingshot to come back to Earth, but I, I'm just mesmerized by these animations. Yeah, man, super cool stuff. Really exciting. That's why you need a be good at math to be in nasa <laughs> that's true yeah it definitely helps <laughs> definitely helps to be good at math well any final words thoughts eric well just a couple things production wise in terms of our next episode we will be watching a spider in the web spider in the web sounds very fun yeah spider in the web Who's a spider and who's going to be in the web? That's well, then again, that, that is generally where it. you find spiders. You know, True. Basically like saying a True. spider at home, which sounds less intriguing. Yeah, there's that. There is well, that. <laughs> can't wait. All right, folks. Well, with that, we'll go and wrap up today's episode. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Podcasting Guild. Andrew, any last words? Just a couple. A good eating to you. A good eating to you, too. <laughs>